Scripture of God is really impressed upon my heart. And I pray it will, will be impressed upon your heart when we're done today. Brother Taylor, would you ask God's blessing on His Word today? Father, we thank You for Your great love and mercy, for Your joy and peace, Lord God. Thank You for this day. Uh, we come to work with Thee in yes, spirit Lord. and Lord. Lead us and guide us and direct us up to follow You closer, not at a distance, Lord. Move by thy spirit, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. by faith and not by sight. Bless this day, Lord God, as your word go forth. Give us ears to hear, but the spirit is enter to the church. Yes, Lord. to receive and to contain and to be obedient to your Lord. Thank you for victory. Thank you for peace, Lord. We never need this present today, Lord God. Thank you for delivering. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. God. Amen. Amen. One of many scriptures about the goodness of God is in 20, Psalm 27 and verse 13. I had fainted. I'd been overcome, overwhelmed, defeated, discouraged, more than I could bear. I had fainted unless I believed to see. I believed to see. I just want to stop right there and say, you know, normally in the normal physical realm, in the physical world, not in the spiritual world, nothing to do with faith. Seeing is believing is the adage that is used. I believe it when I see it. If you can't see God, you can't prove God. And, and on and on and on and on. But when faith begins to grow within you through the Word of God, seeing and believing is nothing to do with it. While we look at the things, not the things that are seen, and yet you look at them. We don't look at the things which are seen, for they are transient. They're passing. Amen. We look at the things which are unseen, for they are eternal. And David said, listen, it gets bad down here. It's going to be great in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now, it gets rough. It gets tough. Jesus said in the new covenant, it's going to be tough down here. In this world, and here's my question today to, to exempt the aliens from the audience. I don't mean, you know, aliens from other countries. I mean from other planets. I'm talking about this planet. In this world, how many are in this world? In this world, you shall have tribulation. It shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't rock us. Because Jesus said you can expect that. You live in a faulty body. You live in a fallen world. Not to be feared, but to be sober and watchful. You have a formidable foe in the devil. And you have a flesh to deal with. Somehow we need the flesh out. We just, you know, the devil and the culture and, and all of the pagan stuff. But the, but the flesh is a real, real adversary to us. In fact, in order to follow Jesus, you start with denying yourself. You take up your cross, and that's not not saying, oh, they persecute me at work, poor old me. They ostracize me because I'm a Christian. Poor, poor me. I'm carrying my cross. No, you're not. That's the, that's the antithesis of what that meant. What it means is that I crucify the flesh in order to obey Christ and follow Him. I take up my cross. I put my flesh on the cross. Paul put it this way. He, he said, he said, my, he said, he said, by, by the cross, I'm crucified to the world, and the world is crucified unto me. The psalmist David said, I have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Nahum 1 and verse 7. Nahum means consoler, and most of Nahum is all about the judgments that are coming because of their disobedience. But he's a consoler, and the consolation is that in spite of our bad, God is good. Amen. We used to say God is good oh. all the time. Amen. We have a good, good Father. Yes. Yes. When a man called Jesus good, Jesus rejected it because He saw Him only after the flesh. God's goodness is not like our goodness or the best of us when it comes to goodness. When it says the Lord is good, it doesn't mean like that steak is good. That hamburger is good. That, that, that was a good 
glass of lemonade. That's whatever. That's a good car. That's a good this, good that. The good works. That's nothing to do with when it applies to God. It has to do with His holiness. It has to do with His character. Amen. He does good because He is good. And that's why Nahum 1 and verse 7 says, The Lord is good. And His mercy, of course, endures forever. Therefore, He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. The name of the Lord is what? A strong tower. The righteous do what? They run into it and they're safe. Why? Why, why do we run? Because many... There's that, there's that warning again, what to expect. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Some people are teaching a hyper faith that you can live in a bubble where you never have any pressure, you never have any problems because you use your faith to smooth everything out around your life. And nothing could be farther from the truth. And people are completely unprepared for the storms that come in life. Amen. So God wants us prepared. He said, it's coming, but be of good cheer. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but cheer up. Oh, we need a cheerleader on Sunday morning. We, we don't need somebody who's caught up in the... So, some people are, are, are more enthusiastic over the second coming of Trump than the second coming of Trump. Now, that's sad. Because Trump had a chance to do it. He can't do it. Biden can't do it. The Democrats can't do it. The Republicans can't do it. I hope there's a conservative that gets in office. But that conservative cannot bring revival to America. Cannot change the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. But God can. And we don't need to give up on Him. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever because He's good. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Let, me, let me explain a couple of biblical things. I love the Word of God today. Something I just jotted down in the wee hours, actually. The goodness of God is not just what He does. It is God in His perfect and unchanging character. It's who He is that causes Him to do what He does. In a Bible dictionary, it says, a perfection of His character which He exercises toward His creatures. God's goodness represents everything God is, everything God has, and everything God does. That's why it says every good and perfect gift. Where does it come from? If it's good and perfect, it comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, not even a shadow of turning. You can count on God. You can count on Him never changing. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm the Lord God of Israel. Church has changed. People change. Christians have changed. Oh, brother. Amen. But He doesn't change. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen. Psalm 119. Oh, let me, let me finish. He does good because He is good. Amen. And the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Amen. The goodness of God. Yeah. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, Thou art good and thou doest good. It's who He is. It's what causes Him to do what He does. And that's the foundation for our faith to receive. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. When I first saw this, I interpreted it not about the knowledge of His person, but just believing that He exists. Because it says, they that come to God must believe. It's an imperative of faith. If you expect to receive anything from the Lord, they that come to Him must believe that He is. It doesn't just mean He exists. That's not enough. The Bible said, thou believest there is one God, Thou do as well. But you ain't got nothing on the devil. That's my little added part. If you don't know, that's not King James. You believe in one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble at that reality. So this is not just believing He exists. It's believing that He is who the Scriptures declare Him to be and who He revealed Himself to be. The Lord is what? 
The Lord is good. He doesn't just have power to help you. He wants to help you. He desires to help you. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. And thou shalt glorify me. So when it says that we must believe that He is and because He's good, we can expect good. I know my thoughts toward your thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you an expected end. To raise your expectation. I fainted lest I believe to see God who is good to manifest that goodness toward my life in the midst of all my enemies and all my adversaries and all my failings and all of my faults and my sins and setbacks, the Lord is still good. And because He's good, I can be forgiven. And because He's good, I can be restored. The Lord is my shepherd. Surely, goodness and mercy because of the goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because God is good. Amen. Do you believe He's good? Amen. That's what it means. This doesn't just mean that God exists. The devils believe in tremble. It's knowing who He is in His character and goodness. If you don't believe He's good enough to show you mercy, you will let the devil absolutely disqualify you for every blessing God has. Amen. Because you will try to come up to a standard that you can't meet. The throne of grace is where you have to come. Yes. Not just when you first come to Christ, but every time you come to God. Amen. You can't approach God on merit. At any point in your life, at your best, you can't qualify. Amen. And the devil knows it. And he wants to disqualify you from praying and expecting an answer. He wants you not to use the faith that you have. Amen. And that's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation chapter 12, now is the accuser of our brethren cast down who accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by living such a perfect life that he has nothing to accuse them of. Nothing omitted, nothing committed. No, nobody can do that. Nobody ever did that. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. Hold fast your profession. The Greek word is confession of faith without wavering because he is faithful that promise. He hath said, Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that we might boldly say what He said. Not what you feel, not what the devil has to say, not what anybody who refuses to forgive you has to say, but what God has to say about it. Hallelujah. God isn't soft on sin. He scourges and whoops. Can I use the word whoop? (laughs) Amen. He he chastens every son that he receives and scourges every one of us. And if you be without chastisement, you don't belong to him. Isn't that amazing? You don't hear about God's chasing the devil, the devil, the devil. No. Sometimes it's God. It's Jehovah. Amen. Amen. If you be without chastisement, you're bastards and not sons. You do not belong to God. If you sin without consequence, you do not belong to God. But if you're a true Christian, you sin. Somewhere along the line, He's going to get your attention. I heard about a guy that sold a man a mule. The mule would not plow. They'd hook him up to the plow, feed him good. Got him hooked up to the plow. He won't plow. He won't move. He won't bud. He called the guy and said, I want my money back. He said, I can fix your mule. He said, how are you going to fix him? He said, I'll be down in 30 minutes. And he showed up. He said, uh, you got a two-before in the barn? He said, yeah. He went and got the two-before and brought it to him. He walked up to the mule, smacked him right between the eyes. And said, gee, there's G for go and haul. I don't know which one is which. I don't know which is the brake and which is the accelerator. <laughs> And you know what the guy told him? He said, now, go out and plow your field. He said, you've got to get his attention before he'll plow. 
God knows how. I had preached for years and had people look back at me with that attitude. And I think, you know something? God knows how to get your attention. I don't have to harp on it. I don't have to jump on you and beat you overhead in the Bible with the Bible because God's going to hit you with the two before. <laughs> if you belong to Him. Now, if you want to try Him, you're welcome to. There's always tares among the wheat. He don't even bother the tares. They sin without consequence. Why? Because they're not sons. But if they were sons, they couldn't get by with it. You say, well, they get by with it. I'm going to get by with it. Do you really belong to God? You can't get by with it. He won't let you get by with it. How many's ever been chastened of the Lord? (laughs) Boy, that was... That was... I was going to pray for that that arm. I think we don't... Don't don't do it like the guy that said, Lord, Lord, please... Please make my please make my arm like the other arm. <laughs> he, he wasn't specific in his prayer. It's okay. It's all right. People are getting sad because they 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 found out that God is serious about keeping us from sin and keeping us from Satan and keeping us from self. That God is deadly serious about that. He said, "If you are not chasing, you don't belong to me." And it's the goodness of God. He chastens every son that he's upset with, mad at, furious with. No, chastens every son that he loves. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God sure loves me. My daddy used to tell me, go cut me a limb. I thought, come on, man. How about a switch? Don't talk about no limb. (laughs) And I cut him that little... You know, think it's going to break the first time, and then he would go get the one that wouldn't break. And I can't see my daddy. You, you've met my dad. Oh, yeah. He's such a mild yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when I was raising my son, he'd say, oh, Bobby, don't spank him. No, oh, Bobby, don't spank him. He, he's just a child. And I thought, where in the world? What has happened? What happened? It wasn't that way with me. He didn't read the books on Don't Do It. <laughs> and he did it. The Bible said if, if, a man, if he loves his child, he, 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 he chases him B times. Yeah. More than one time. So anyway, it's not hurting your children. It's, it's disciplining your children. Amen. God loves his children. So when it said he that cometh to God must believe that he is, you've got to know him that God is good. Amen. It's the goodness of God. That raises your expectation to believe Him. It's not just that He exists. And that's why so many people walk away from that Scripture without without knowing God's person. Not just His promise. Not just His power. But His person. I don't think anybody in here doubts that He has the power to help you. Power to heal you. Power to deliver you. It's not about His power. It's about His goodness. His love. God has power, but that's not who He is. We've known and believed the love that God has for us because God is love. And because He is, it's His essence. Hallelujah. He doesn't decide to love. He is love. Jesus didn't just have the power to resurrect Lazarus. Amen. <laughs> he is the resurrection. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah. And we must believe that He is and that He therefore is a re- responder to them that diligently seek Him. He's Amen. good and He does good. And He's good all the time. Hallelujah. You believe that He is good today? Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm glad you believe that. God's goodness is the reason for His glory that shines forth from His person. Moses asked to see God's glory, Exodus 33:18. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. God responds in verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass by thee. He wanted to see what a lot of people want to see, the pillar of fire. He wanted to see the burning bush 
He wanted to see some manifestation of the Shekinah glory. And how did God say, listen, I'll cause my I'll cause my person that causes the glory to shine from my person. I'll cause my goodness. My goodness. My goodness to pass forth. Of course, because his goodness, his real person is going to pass by, it would kill him because of the glory emanating from his person. And he didn't want to kill him. He said, no man can look upon my face and live. Even angels had to cover their feet. Their celestial beings couldn't look full on at the face of God. Verse 22 said, and it shall come to pass while my glory now, while my glory passes by, I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and that's not even enough. I'll cover thee with my hand. And that's not even enough. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. He said, I'll cover you. I'll put you in the cliff of a rock. I'll cover you with my hand. And I will pass by quickly. When God says quickly, moment in the twinkling of an eye, just like He's going to come quickly. Oh, and that's not over. And He said, and I will not let you see my face while I'm passing by. <laughs> I'll let you see my hinder part. In other words, you can't look at my headlights. But if I pass by quick, you can glimpse my taillights. Is that okay to say? The glory of God. His goodness passes by. His person, God, is going to pass by Him quickly. He puts Him in a cleft of a rock. He puts His hand over Him to conceal Him from the glory. And He passes by just like that. And all Moses got, He passed by quickly. Moses got a glimpse of His hinder parts as He went by. Just a glimpse of God. Say it with me, a glimpse of God. That would be awesome though, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be awesome? He got a glimpse of God. Now, can you put on your spiritual seatbelt? Are you ready to use your faith and get a hold of something today that will get a hold of you? Take something out of here. Praise God that will help you believe that He is. This God is who He says He is. Hallelujah. And that's why He does what He does. It's because of who He is. Moses got a glimpse only. When we see Jesus, we get to gaze upon Him. When we see Jesus, we get to gaze upon God in terms of His character and His person. All that makes the glory shine. We see it all in Jesus. Jesus said, when you've seen me, what have we seen? They said, Lord, show us the Father. They, they really wanted something like Moses wanted. Show, you talk about the Father all the time. Show us the Father. And it suffices us. And he said, have you been with me all this time and you say you've never seen the Father? When you have truly seen me, you've seen the Father. How does that work? He said, the works I do, they're not mine. They're what I see my Father do. The words that I speak, they're not mine. They're what I hear my Father say. Can you say amen? I and my Father are one. He's the second person of the Godhead. Yes, there's a trinity. But He said all the fullness, all the fullness of the Godhead was dwelling in Him bodily. His name was Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. He said, I have shown you the Father. If you want to know what God is like, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this as our time runs, but I'll tell you this. this. I had a pastor where I was healed of cancer. Brother Joe Woodward. I remember leaving a, a testimony when he passed away here in Tampa. He had a relationship with God that I, I envied his relationship with God. I wish I had that kind of spiritual encounter with God. He was an awesome. For Tampa Revival Center, seven days a week services. And people came because God showed up and God showed out in every single service. You could get delivered. You could get healed there. 
he, he, I remember him telling us a testimony one Sunday morning. He said, I was coming back from the East Coast, and Highway 92 used to be a major artery. This was pre-interstate systems, pre-interstate four. So coming back from the East Coast on Highway 92, I got near Tampa. I relaxed because I was almost home. And he said, I fell asleep at the wheel. I don't know when or where. I know I was traveling Highway 92. I fell asleep at the wheel. I woke up, and I was laid over in the seat. And my head was where a passenger would be sitting. And the car was running the same speed that it was when I was driving. And I jumped and said there was an angel, had to be an angel, a man in white apparel, had a hold of the wheel. And I jumped and sat up and I looked over at him and he went like that and I took the wheel and came back to Tampa. Brother Vimble, do you believe that? Well, I believe He gives His angels charge over us. And they would bear us up in their hands. I suppose they could drive. Can you say, man, I mean, it just makes sense to me that angels could actually drive. Amen. You drive, but you're an angel. Okay, anyway, you right along. I know. Yeah, you are. You're sweet. Uh, hallelujah. And I thought, Lord, what an experience. But something happened in his life. And he fell away from the Lord. He quit the ministry. He became a manager of an Eckerd drugstore. He loved those big stogie, big black cigars. And to see my pastor with a big old cigar not even going to church anymore. And I wondered and I prayed for him. And years went by and I heard a testimony, his testimony. He came to our church, Brother Joe Woodward, one Sunday night at the Holy Church of God. So did my first grade elementary school teacher, Mrs. Mrs. Branch, came. And Mrs. Stokes, my sixth grade teacher, came as well. Mrs. Branch called my parents in and said, you know, I need to speak with you about your son. And I thought, what did I do? I went through all my mind. And I thought, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't do this wrong. I did that wrong, but nobody saw me. And, you know, so I just, you know, I don't think, how did she see me do that? And it was something like sticking gum underneath my, no, I didn't put a cherry bomb in the commode. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll just, I'll just say it. <laughs> and you know what she said? She said, I believe God. Back, back then, I believe God has His hand on your son. Wow, didn't mean anything to me then. But it means everything to me now. Yes. Amen. When, when things get tough and things get rough, I think back and say, God, you didn't just... I didn't just do this because I decided to. I did it to respond to the call of God. Hallelujah. And I appreciated seeing my teacher there before she went home. I heard that Brother Joe Woodward came back to God and I heard his testimony. He said, I was sitting in my chair thinking about what it used to be like to be close to God, to experience His presence and His power. But I thought... It can never be. I failed him. I've messed up. He can't love me or restore me because I I I have fallen away from him. And he said, My first image of God was when I was a child. There was a big family Bible in my home, raised in a Christian home. I opened the first page to Genesis, and there was a picture of an angry God. Huge, angry God chasing Adam and Eve out of the garden. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of my presence. Get out of my sight. When I read Genesis, I found out that He was very upset with them. It brought a curse on this world. They were disobedient to Him. They had knowledge that they didn't have before and, and they were naked and now they were ashamed. And the first bloodshed to cover their nakedness. 
was shed when God killed an animal and took its skin and brought it to cover them. And the first evidence of a blood covering for sin, amen, is in that garden. But all he saw was God's anger. He didn't see the grace and the mercy in spite of their self and in spite of their sin. Their sin brought terrible consequences on themselves, still reverberating to us today. But there was a covering. I remember testifying one night as our time is going, but I remember testifying one night after work when I was bivocational. And I told a man there, I said, I said, there's a scarlet, there's a scarlet trail, there's a scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. And that is that through the blood sacrifice, the innocence being punished for the guilty. Amen. It's a type of Jesus and what He fulfilled on the cross. And, and you know, this kind of deep theology, and this guy, I didn't know where he was, but he got it. The Holy Spirit took it and, and put it in his heart, and, and he was so excited the next week. He said, I hadn't been to church in years. But he said, after our conversation after work, he said, I came home and I told my family, I said, we're going to church Sunday. They didn't come to our church, but there was a neighborhood church. <laughs> and he said, me and my family went and said, boy, the pastor is glad to see us because they said it wasn't hard to nobody there. And when we come in, he had, he, had, he had his children, he had his wife, and he had some of his nephews and nieces that had come over to spend the weekend. And he said there was eight of us that come walking in. The pastor started thumbing through his Bible. <laughs> he said, I'm going to preach this morning. i got somebody to preach to. They hadn't heard me preach. And I get to tell that story that everybody else heard. But that wasn't the, that's the fun of it. But the significance was that that, that, that testimony got inside of him and he got in church and, and I said, Lord, look what you're doing. Just a few words about the blood of Jesus. Even in type and foreshadow is enough for the Holy Spirit to use to grab a hold of that heart. Hallelujah. A lot of Christians, it's a whole hum thing. It's a given. It's not a given. It's a gift. Can you say, man? It's called the unspeakable gift and the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Brother Joe Woodward said, I, I had this image imprinted in my mind. God is, this God is so angry with me, I could never find pardon and forgiveness and restoration. And he said, I took a puff off my cigar, and God spoke to my heart, sitting in my easy chair, and said, Joe, I love you. He said, if I've ever heard the voice of God, I've read it, I've preached it, but I heard God say it to me and call me by name and said, Joe, I love you. And it changed immediately. I can't forgive you unless you repent. I can't restore you unless you repent. But that doesn't change me. I love you. And he said, my image of God changed just like that. He said, as the last stogie I ever smoked. <laughs> Amen. I put out my cigar. I got down on my knees with tears running down my cheeks. And I repented of my sin and God restored me. And when he came to our church, he was restored. Like David said, he restored my soul. Surely goodness and mercy. And, and you know what else he said to me personally when he visited? He said, I didn't know God was that good. I never knew God was that good. You see, because that's a good steak. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good car I just bought. That's a good suit. That's a good this, good that. That guy does good deeds. When he talks about God's goodness, it's talking about the infinite Eternal love that covers a multitude of sins when they're repented. God so loved this world, this fallen world, that He gave His only begotten Son. A lot of Christians don't know how good He is. Because if we trip, we feel we're disqualified. And we need to come back 
to the throne of grace. Amen. We need to get it cleaned up and get it cleaned out and wrote a rooter by the Spirit. Can you say amen? He can clean us up. Sins can be forgiven. We can have a right relationship with God. Hallelujah. But we can't do it with the wrong image of God. Thank God He's a good God. I remember preaching grace in the throne of grace one morning back where we used to be in church. And out in out in Arizona, a lady a lady had come to Christ. Her husband was this, that, and the other, but her sister had just come to Jesus. And her sister came out of drugs and alcohol and all of the sins that go with it. And and she said, You mean that God loves my sister? After all she's done and where she's been as much as He loves me? She got up in the service and wanted to argue that God was that good and that grace was that available. Remember what Jesus said? He said, remember the people that went in... A man hired some people. He hired them to go work in his field for a certain price. And they worked almost all day, nine to five. And at 4 o'clock, somebody showed up and said, that job's still open? He said, oh yeah, you've got one hour. He said, okay, here. And he gives them, hey, grace isn't fair, you wouldn't be saved. I said, grace isn't fair or you wouldn't be because you couldn't be. That's right, brother. That's not fair, is it? She was upset that her sister could have God love her as much as she loved her and she's been saved for 10 or 12 years. How can God do that? Because He's good. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. So what happens to that guy that worked one hour and everybody else has worked eight? They got the same pay. And everybody's thinking, well, Lord have mercy. I've been serving the Lord all these years. I should have sinned a long time. No, you shouldn't have sinned a long time. The devil might have killed you out there outside of Amen. grace and you went to hell. That's stupid. Amen. It's stupid. It's what the devil wants you to think. I could have enjoyed a lot more sin. Oh yeah, look at the people enjoying all that sin. How's it working out for them? I'd rather serve Jesus if there wasn't no hell. <laughs> if there wasn't no heaven or no hell, when you're dead, you're done. It's still the best life is serving Jesus. Take your same name. Hallelujah. And thank God there is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to escape. And thank God for the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ. And thank God for the man on the cross that said, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says, Too bad, so sad. Amen. It's too late for you. There's no. not you no God God is not that good. You spend your life in sin and now you're all hemmed in facing death and you're gonna call on me. I don't think so. No, you know what he said? Because God is what? Good. God is what? Good. Hallelujah. And he does good. He's a good, good father. That's why he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. That's why, amen, His name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And that's why we believe this God is our God. We believe He is good. And He is God. And He he therefore is a responder and a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. My expectation is high now. And that's called faith. That's called faith. Amen. Faith is the the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Amen. Amen. It's all because God is good. And Jesus says what? Today you will be with me in paradise. Listen to what man does to complicate this thing. <laughs> I went to I would I went to pray for your uncle in the hospital. And to pray with him to receive Christ as his Savior, to repent of his sin. He said, I want to be baptized. It's in a nursing home. He's really headed out of this world. 
And I called the nurse and I said, Nurse, can you bring me a basin of water and a towel? And can you put something under him because he's going to get wet? She said, yes, sir. She knew what was about to happen. I don't believe in sprinkling. I believe it's representative of to be buried with him and raised with him. I believe putting you under completely. Well, baptized to well, put you under. But he couldn't go to no river. He couldn't go to no baptistry. But he wanted to be baptized. I took that towel, put it in the water, and I wrung it out from his head down to his feet. What a wonderful nurse. She knew what I was doing and why I was doing it. He's getting ready to go into eternity. And he wants to be totally right with God, including baptism. Amen. Amen. I squeezed it all over him. I said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, are you satisfied? He said, yes. And it wasn't long after that until he passed over. And I believe he's in heaven because God is good. Can you say amen? And you know why I used that towel there? Because I went to pray for a man who had sat and mocked and everything else when we were at the other church. They sat and drank beer. They started drinking when we started service at the Holy Church of God. And they sat out there. One of them got cancer. And he got it really, really bad in his throat. He could hardly speak, and it is spread all over his body. And he called me to come. His caregiver said, he's calling for you. Would you come and pray for him? And I went to that home in Sulphur Springs, and, and hospice has come to help him, not take him to the hospital yet, but to just help them change him and everything. And I said, sir, are you ready to receive Christ as your Savior and repent of your sin? I said, yes. Yes. Why would God do that? Because He didn't come into this world to judge it. He's already judged it and said, if I don't send a Savior, if they don't accept Him, there's no way around where they're going to spend eternity. But He loved it enough to send His Son. (laughs) And I prayed with Him and He prayed with me, repenting of His sin. At first, there's a long story. He rejected all of that. But he finally called. And I came. And he said, can I be baptized? I said, we can't go to the river. You can't come to our church. But I said, go get me a basin. Go get me a towel. Put a pad under him. And we'll roll him over on it. And we did. And I took that basin. And I took that towel. And I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then he took a hold of my collar and he pulled me down to the side of his face and he said something that I love to hear. He said, Pastor, couldn't hardly talk. He said, I love you. I love you. We know that we passed from death to life. What? Because we, what is the first evidence? It's not tongues, by the way. Amen. It's not embracing the creed and the dogma that is right. It's love for one another. We see each other as part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and not separate entities. And when I hug you, I hug Jesus spiritually. And when you hit me, you hitting Jesus. So quit it. Why does God do things like that? To someone so undeserving who lived a lifetime of sin and now all hemmed in calling on the Lord. Do they deserve it? No. Does He grant it? I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through me might be saved. Can you say man? Now therefore, oh, what a good God that we serve. What a gracious God that we serve. 
Psalm 107 begins this way. Are you ready for it? The Lord is good. Hallelujah. And His mercy endures forever. Next verse. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Just say that we're redeemed? No. Say we're redeemed because God is good. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Let the redeemed say so. Let them tell the story. Your testimony. i got a story to tell. Because of God's goodness. Because of God's goodness, He grants grace to me. Because of God's goodness, He granted grace to you. It was His goodness that led us to repentance. It was His goodness that sent Jesus. It was Christ's goodness that held Him on that tree. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want you to say something in response as we close. God is faithful. Say, because He's good. Because He's good. God is merciful. Because God is good. God is gracious. God heals the sick and afflicted. God answers prayer. God saves the lost. God runs to kiss the prodigal and restore him. Oh, you're going to make me shout if you keep on, but please keep on. Hallelujah. God spared not His only begotten Son because He's good. Hallelujah. If you don't want a good God, if you want the Genesis angry God that pushes you away instead of says, come home. Come home. Come home. You know what I love about the prodigal? He didn't have to drag himself like an old dog back. He's, he had he had the right attitude. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But he said, I'm, if I could just be a servant in my father's house. And it said when his father saw him a long way off. Only time in the Bible where it said God, in type, God ran. God ran. The father ran to him. And before he gave him any material possession of restoration, that fellowship was restored. And it meant more to him than anything he'd give him. He said, I'd rather sleep out there with the servants, just be close to my father's house is better than living out here in sin. He ran, fell upon him, and kissed him on the cheek. And he knew at that moment, amen, I'm coming home with a penitent and repentant heart. And already my Father has forgiven me. He couldn't come and take me from where I was. But He was watching every day for me to show up on the horizon. So He could run and begin the restoration. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He restores my soul. If you don't believe God is that good... And if you believe there's somebody so bad they don't deserve His goodness, you don't understand His goodness and you certainly don't understand His grace. And if you don't understand His grace, you'll never qualify. The devil will find something on you. And God never said the devil, He said He's a liar, but you know something He didn't lie about? And that's your imperfections and mine. Ain't no lie. You're not perfect. Amen. <laughs> Can anybody amen that? Amen. Does it mean that sin is reigning? No. Does it mean that you have arrived at some super sanctified, no sin of omission, commission, no deed, and no thought, and no attitude? No. For if we say we have no sin, we, us, we lie. And we're not sincere, we're not authentic. But if we confess our sin because of His goodness, He's faithful, He's justified in forgiving us. Can you say amen? Oh, that we could see a revival of people who say, I'm not going to belittle myself and I'm not going to let the devil disqualify me. 
Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to believe God because God is good and His mercy endures forever. And I'm a recipient of His goodness. And I'm a recipient of His mercy. And I believe that He is this God that we're revealing through the Word and through His actions and through Christ. Hallelujah. And suddenly faith arises to believing. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And things change. Brother Taylor's PSA going up. Doctors discussing what to do about it. Whether surgery or medication. And they ask him, well, and and he goes back to the doctor. Remember when we prayed? He goes back to the doctor and the PSA is going down. down. And the doctor says, have you been on a particular medication? Because he's looking for a reason. Because it don't just do that. And he said, no, I haven't taken any of that medication. So what did the doctor say after that? Was he befuzzled a little bit? Yes, it wasn't the pill thing. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> he said, he said, well, it wasn't the medication. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, what's he doing? Right. He yeah. believes God is and that God's a rewarder yeah. of them that diligently seek Him. We sought Him. He heard. He answered. Yeah. And the doctor said, just keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. Because it's not what we're doing that's changing this. Right. Hallelujah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I want to know. Oh, don't tell me all the junk that is going to destroy my faith. Amen. And make me think that I'm good enough for Him to listen to. I'll never be that good. But is He good enough to listen if I'm transparent and I'm open and I repent of my sin? Yes, He is. And no matter how many people find fault with me, God loves me. God forgives me. And He has the final word on that. Wow. Pack up, devil. Pack it up. (laughs) Pack up your suitcase full of accusations because in the high court of heaven, He won't listen to any of them. Make him want to shout today. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed say so. How many have been redeemed? Let's say so. Hallelujah. Pastor Vanderbilt. Yes, sir. Here's a verse of Scripture. You're talking about how good God is. Psalms 48, verse 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even unto death. Hallelujah. Forever and ever, even unto death. That's just how good God is. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. God wants you to qualify. God wants you to pray with a spirit of expectation that He's going to hear and He's going to answer. That He is what? Good. (laughs) Amen. He's not just God. He's good. He's a good, good Father. Glory be to God.